Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, The world's going nuts. The world is going nuts. And the left is dragging us with them. We've got people in the courts who want to run our immigration system. There was a ruling about an hour ago by one of these federal district judges that said uh, the president of the United States cannot tell Mexico, and Mexico cannot even agree, to hold people in Mexico to seek refugee status without a hearing. I said, what? They're not even in the country. They're not even in the country. You want to know why this country is being overrun? Because of the federal courts interfering in immigration? They never did that with Obama. That's for sure. When Arizona said, you know what, we're going to enforce federal immigration law, whether Obama does it or not, the Supreme Court five to four, the, the Anthony Kennedy writing the opinion said, no, you're not. The president gets to decide. So the president, new presidents decided. And now these courts say, actually, the president doesn't get to decide. We get to decide. Every step of the way, he's fought by the courts. Every step of the way, he's fought by the Democrat Party. Every damn step of the way, he's fought by a big chunk of his own party in Congress. And let me tell you folks something. One day he won't be president, whether it's two years from now or six years from now. And he's going to be just fine. And he knows it. He and his family are going to be fine. But the rest of us, the rest of you are not going to be fine. And you've got a president of the United States who steps away from his multi-billion dollar business, who doesn't need these headaches, who doesn't need them getting involved in his IRS returns, his tax returns, doesn't need them getting involved in his life and his children's lives and so forth, and he's treated like he's a terrorist. We treat an illegal alien who comes into this country 20 times and commits various offenses with more respect, more nobility, than we treat the President of the United States. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. We got to watch this moron Jerry Landler on every damn show. Another red out of New York City. New York City breeds these reds like bedbugs. Then we have to hear the New York Times. We'll get to this. Pat itself on the back for its coverage. Oh, we've been great. But the president, he's the enemy. He calls us the enemy. He's the enemy. No, New York Times, you're the enemy because you're destroying freedom of the press. And I've just gotten started here. 
New York Times denies liberal favoritism. Then over at MSLSD, President of the United States, who's been the best friend of Israel of any president since that state was founded, has done extraordinary things on behalf of the Jewish people in Israel. He's called an anti-Semite. An anti-Semite. This president's economic policies have driven unemployment down among minorities like we've never seen in our lifetimes, particularly African-Americans, and he's called a racist. He's a racist. A racist and an anti-Semite. And yet it is the Democrat Party that is populated with anti-Semites and racists. And it's only getting worse over there. And by the way, so are the media. We've got a lot to cover tonight. We're going to have Devin Nunes on and talk about his criminal referrals. We're going to have Shelby Steele, a really good man. He's going to be on in the last hour. We're going to talk about reparations. I had my proposal. My proposal has been and is the vast majority of the people living in this country had nothing to do with slavery and were not slaves and are not even ancestors of slaves. But we know one thing for damn sure. It was the Democrat Party that fought for slavery. It's the Democrat Party that fought for segregation. It's the Democrat Party that fought Reconstruction. And I believe that Democrat Party ought to pay reparations. I believe the Democrat Party should pay reparations. The country didn't do this. The Republican Party didn't do this. Immigrants to the United States didn't do this. Whether they're out of Europe or Africa or Southeast Asia or Central America. No. The Democrat Party did this. We can prove it. And they should be held to account. What do you say, Bernie Sanders? You prepared? Kamala Harris? Kamala Harris has one parent from India and one parent from Jamaica. You aware of that, Mr. Producer? Here we are sitting, where's this one from? And now what's this background? Well, you're going to have to figure it all out if you're going to pay out hundreds of billions of dollars in reparations. Barack Obama. One parent from somewhere in America, one parent from Kenya, right? He had nothing to do with slavery. His family had nothing to do with it, too. And you're going to have to make these decisions. And I went, oh, wait a minute, where's this guy from? What's that? In? What's this? That white guy, what, what's happening? Oh, that's great for a country, isn't it, America? Great for a country. Now, we'll talk about that in hour three. Not that I'm like doing a jigsaw puzzle here, but I've got this planned out of my head. Because otherwise, there's just too much crap flying around here, ladies and gentlemen. If we had an honest media, some of this stuff wouldn't be going on. Most of it wouldn't be going on. And then, of course, our Israeli friends, they're, I believe, seven hours ahead of us, give or take, they're going to be voting for prime minister. And by that, they need to vote for the Likud party. And you know what's going on over there? You've got people who say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I would vote Likud, but 
Netanyahu's a shoo-in, so, you know, I'm going to the beach. What? What? So we're going to see what happens in, uh, in Israel if they're going to elect this center-left coalition, which is a coalition of morons and, uh, and losers, quite frankly. They find these weak-kneed generals. Sound like the Democrat Party? And then, but look, we've got a general. We've got a general. All right, we're going to get started here. And we're going to get started with something I haven't even mentioned yet. Over at Gateway Pundit, Jim Hoft. We have an organization that's been formed, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, is now blacklisting individuals who have worked in or for the Trump administration. They're contacting corporations all over the country. And they are warning them that they damn well better not hire these people, either directly as lobbyists or in any other form. Or they're going to face the consequences by the mob, by the mob on the left. So they're going to target them. Fox News has been targeted. Hosts are being targeted. Silicon Valley is targeting conservatives and conservative organizations. Now these Marxist leftists have started an organization called Restore Public Trust. And they're blacklisting individuals who dared to work for Trump or with Trump. Matthew Albans, Executive Associate Director, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. He's on the hit list. Natalie Asher, Acting Executive Associate Director, ICE Operations. Alex Azar, Secretary of Health and Human Services. Matthew Bassett, Assistant Secretary for Legislation, HHS. Rachel Brand, former Associate Attorney General. Joseph Edlow, Deputy Attorney General at Department of Justice for a period. Eric Hargan, Deputy Secretary, HHS. Gene Hamilton, Counselor to the Attorney General, Department of Justice. Jonathan Hayes, Office of Refugee Resettlement, HHS. Thomas Homan, former Acting Director, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Press Secretary. Sarah Iscor Flores, former Spokesperson, DOJ. Lynn A. Johnson, Assistant Secretary for Family Support, HHS. John Kelly, former Chief of Staff. Kathy Graniger, former Associate Director for Government Programs, OMB. And the list goes on and on. Now, they're organizing their own BDS movement against individuals who served or are serving in the Trump administration. China can get an idea from our leftists in this country. You know, they have this social credit rating. If you're out of line with the Chinese government, maybe you said something to somebody, maybe you wrote a few words you're not supposed to write, maybe you looked in the wrong direction, you're dinged. Ladies and gentlemen, we are heading towards a police state. I don't care if people think this this sounds crazy. It doesn't sound crazy to me in the least. 
You saw what happened during the Kavanaugh hearings. You listen to these clowns like Nadler and Schiff. Look at them dripping with their Soviet hate for a president duly elected. The border's wide open. Our own two eyes. You can see thousands and thousands and thousands. We have law enforcement on the border begging us for resources, begging us. And Congress won't act. They're investigating the president instead. We have federal judges who throw in with this mob. The system is broken. It's broken very, very badly. I've got more to say when I return. Mark Lovin. Have you ever wished you knew more about how politics and our Constitution work? Could you explain the key differences between capitalism and socialism? Wish you knew more about American history? Well, I have good news for you. It's not too late to learn no matter how busy you are or how long it's been since you've been in college or high school. And you can do it for free. Because my friends at Hillsdale College, as a service to our country, have free online courses that provide a taste of the core curriculum that every Hillsdale College student takes. The core that teaches us how to think critically and act virtuously. And it can help you, too. Getting started is very simple. Just sign up for one or more of Hillsdale's most popular online courses for free. And you can learn whenever you like. Visit online.hillsdale.edu right now. That's online.hillsdale.edu. Join right now and you'll be on your way to a rich, meaningful education. Again, that's online.hillsdale.edu. to the Department of Justice. I read what he was doing. I thought it was very impressive and very critical. He's a man who's come under brutal, brutal attack. And so we'll have him on. At least he's scheduled to be on in about five minutes. But before we get there, I want to start something, and then I'll pick it up after uh, Devin leaves. Because so much of this has to do with the way the media covers these stories in part, I think the country moves further and further left because of the media, day in and day out. And so there's certain things we need to address. You know, this piece in uh, Newsbusters, the New York Times hosted one of its Times talks, and we have some of this audio, don't we, Mr. Producer? And I'll deal with this after our, our guest. On April 2nd, promising a wide-ranging and candid discussion on the press freedom in an age of alternative facts. This is them. With executive editor Dean Baquette and David E. McCraw, the paper's top newsroom lawyer. The most embarrassing part was a discussion of why, oh why, Donald Trump's rhetoric about the press resonates with the people. Assistant managing editor Carolyn Ryan moderated and set the table. He's called the press the enemy of the people. He's coined the phrase, or popularized the phrase, fake news. He often contests both fact-based stories and, I would say, fact-based reality. So, this is her, I think it's been well established that he's fomented hostility toward the press. Now, this is a question. But my question to you is, why did it seem like so many people in the country were receptive to that message? Why did that resonate with people? Why did the message work? Baquette, the uh, top guy at the uh, New York Times, he called the rhetoric deeply damaging and then babbled about being seen as arrogant and distant and, and not connected to readers back when advertising revenue was higher. 
Then McGraw actually stated that the press had many successes in promoting the civil rights movement and pushing a left-wing agenda on Vietnam and Watergate. He even touted fake news purveyor Peter Arnett as a great reporter. In fact-based reality, to borrow from Carolyn Ryan, Arnett has been fired repeatedly for bogus anti-American, anti-war stories from CNN and then from NBC. But hey, what the hell. Baquette tried to argue that all presidents complained to his paper, not acknowledging that Democrat complaint because they expect overwhelmingly positive cover. Naturally, they upset Obama from the left on the drone attacks. The New York Times. It's unbelievable, isn't it? I have a question for these fools. What do we mean by a free press? What do we mean by a press? What is the purpose of a free press? Is it to report information? What kind of information? Is it to interpret or analyze information? And these are the questions I lead with in my new book, On Freedom of the Press. What is the news? How are decisions made about what is newsworthy and what is not? What is a news organization? A blogger? A weekly newspaper? A television network? What's a journalist? What qualifies someone as a journalist? Experience, education, position, self-identification. What's the job of a journalist? Is journalism a profession? Are there standards? Are journalists able to be fair or objective? What's the purpose of reporting? To reinforce the founding and fundamental principles of the republic? To challenge public officials and authority? To give voice to certain individuals, groups, and causes? To influence politics and policy? To alter the status quo of a society? What is it? And what is the common good, which they always talk about? And who decides what it is? What's the difference between freedom of the press and free speech? And does the current media revolution, spurred by technological advances such as the Internet or social media, change any of this? And do these questions even matter anymore to news outlets? These questions are rarely asked today, let alone rationally discussed. They're infrequently the subject of open or public media circumspection, which is the reason I read you from Newsbusters on what's going on in the New York Times session there. It's unbelievable. They have no circumspection. What is their goal? Seems the media are low to investigate or explore the media. Now, when we come back, Devin Nunes is scheduled to be here, but I want to pick up on this. I want to pick up on this. It's crucially important uh, when we're done with our excellent interview. I know it will be because of Devin Nunes. I'll be right back. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, dot hillsdale, dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. The Mark Levin Show, where the Reagan Coalition meets every day. Call now, 877-381-3811. Congressman Demi Nunes, how are you, sir? Good, Mark. How you doing, man? Okay, okay. I want to thank you for everything you've done, everything you've been through, and everything you're doing. You, uh, you're sending referrals over to the Justice Department. Tell the audience what you're up to there. Well, this is all part of the cleanup. So we had to wait until we had a real Attorney General uh, in the office with Attorney General Barr. And this is essentially two and a half years' worth of, worth of work. Uh, there's eight different referrals. These may not be the only ones, uh, but for now, these are. This will clean up most of what we have. We still have some ongoing investigations. It would be nice for us to get some more information. Be nice to get the underlying documents to the Mueller, what I call the Mueller dossier. Uh, we don't know if we're going to get those when the report is ultimately released or not. Uh, but so there could be more. Of the eight, there's five that are you're just what I would called direct uh, referral. So there's an, there's an individual named along with the crimes, and those crimes are leaking classified information, um, lying or misleading Congress, and obstructing the congressional investigation. So, you know, the same thing that Roger Stone's been indicted for, ironically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's three that are a little more complicated. Uh, one is a global leaks referral. So there's about a dozen leaks of highly classified information that came out essentially in uh, just the major newspapers in this country. Uh, There's only a few reporters that are involved, and so they were were recipients with whoever this modern-day wannabe deep throat guy is, uh, or it could be more (laughs) than one person. We don't don't know. Uh, So that's the the global leaks referral, Mark. And then there's two... uh, conspiracy referrals, one relating to FISA abuse and other matters. This has been our long-going investigation into into how the FISA court was lied to. And then the second uh, conspiracy uh, referral uh, is, we call it the manipulation of intelligence. Mm-hmm. So in those, in those three, like I said, the leaks, you know, there, there could be multiple people who were leaking. You know, a lot of times these articles, they, they'll say things like, current and former senior officials. Um, Obviously, with the FISA abuse and other matters, I don't think it's hard for people to understand who needs to be investigated. Did you know all the players? And then on the manipulation of intelligence, it's also, you know, fairly large number, half a dozen to to a dozen people that probably need to be interviewed by the by the FBI, FBI, DOJ. And that's where we stand right now. You know, Congressman Nunes, this sounds quite comprehensive. It also sounds to me like the basis for the appointment of a special counsel. They passed, or the current special counsel, there were no criminal statutes cited. And here you're citing various criminal statutes, a hell of a lot of activity that needs to be uncovered. And I'm trying to figure out what department, you know, I know there's a criminal division. I used to work over there. I know there's a public integrity section. This isn't for the uh, inspector general. These are criminal investigations you're asking for. So who the hell is going to do it if they don't appoint a special counsel? 
So, as you know, Congress doesn't. We don't wear badges and wear you know and strap on the guns and handcuffs. So no, we, unless you're you know, Gerald Nadler, uh, then you wear badges and a cowboy hat and you walk around the halls of Congress, or or at least you think you are. Yes. Um, but uh, so what has to happen here, and, and this is why we're gonna so we're gonna notify the Attorney General this week that these are prepared for him to review. But we're only going to let him review it. And, you know, and whoever he wants to bring in. Uh, and the reason for that is pretty simple, that you know, we don't know who's involved in, in, in these, especially the conspiracy ones. You know, there could be, well, there's, there, are, there are people involved at both the DOJ and FBI. So what we don't want is we don't want these referrals just being sent over and then all the, you know, all the people that could be involved in this get their eyes on it and then it gets buried. That's a good point. So, so you know, supposedly the U.S. attorney in Utah is doing something. So I don't know if that's where really decides to. I forgot what he looks like. <laughs> yeah, nobody nobody knows who he who he is. But uh, but uh, you know, hopefully he's going to be doing something. We don't know what. Um, but I don't know if that's where Barr will want to take it. It's it's look, it's it's very comprehensive, and uh, I think it's pretty straightforward. And you know, we'll leave it up to the attorney general what he wants to do with it. Well, if they handed the guy in Utah, I think we'll have it resolved in about 40 years, and that's just too damn long. And what bothers me about all this, and, and I'm sure it's been bothering you a long time, is how the media just ignore this. I mean, some of media yeah. pick up on it, but here you are, you're filing, refer if your name were Adam Schiff and you were filing these things, it would be splattered across the monitors of every television station, be pushed out there. And let me ask you this: Have any of the major news network, you know, the you know the big three or any, they asked to sit down and talk to you? Uh, no, other than Fox, no. But none of the Fox networks, at, none of the none big of the, ones. Uh, no, you mean like CNN, MSNBC? No, I mean ABC, NBC, CBS. ABC. No, no. It's amazing. To they me. have not. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know that you, you mentioned that. So I'm I'm actually in the Capitol right now and. Just came from the uh, House Intelligence Committee from a briefing, and I walk upstairs and there's a bunch of press there. And now, now look, to be fair, I don't talk to them, right? So I don't walk mm -hmm. and talk. I don't, I don't, because I just don't think they do a, a, a very good job. But uh, but I'm laughing. I'm sitting there looking at these guys, like, what in the hell are you doing here? What you know? Who are you going to ask questions to? It's just like. It's a nonstop of taking Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee, interviewing them, and saying, this is the next shoe to drop. And yeah, you would think when two and a half years of work, eight referrals, you, know, you would think they'd be following all the Republicans around like, who are you referring? Who is it? You know, what did they do wrong? Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's absolutely no interest in it whatsoever. It's incredible. Well, I hope uh, that, uh, that the new Attorney General takes action on this. Otherwise, we're never going to get to the bottom of this. That's right. Yeah, the, the, the only way that the American people are going to have confidence in the D Justice Department is, is if people are indicted. And, I mean, look, we've got some on the, on the five direct uh, referrals. I mean, there's, these are just no-brainers, right? I mean, you, 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 you know, they lied to Congress, and, you know, people can figure out who some of these are. If you, mm -hmm. For those listeners who follow Russiagate day by day, they're going to know who we've referred. Uh, and it's, you know, pretty damn simple it's cut and dried you, you lied to congress so you know why are you wasting you, you bust roger stone you better bust these people well i know you had to run and i appreciate what you're doing my entire audience does uh and, uh, and take care and god bless you and look over your shoulder every now and then 
<laughs> Thanks a lot, Mark, and thanks for the support. All right, you take care of yourself. Is Mark a conspiracy nut? No. These aren't conspiracies. These are facts. It's, <laughs> that's, that's the difference. He's, he is a, uh, a uh, remarkable gentleman, Devin Nunes. Remarkable gentleman. He has been tough from day one. He's wanted to get to the bottom of this stuff. And, you know, he's not one of these crazies out there. They go, whoa, look at him. He's a crazy. He never has been. Never has been. And they tried to take him out this election, too, by the way. So that's what's going on. I wanted to bring you right up to speed on that. But let's go on with uh, part of the problem here. I pointed out this New York Times piece to you. New York Times execs deny liberal favoritism over at Newsbusters. And these people think they're doing a hell of a job. These people think they have got to keep Trump in a box. And they're going to keep pounding away. And the New York Times is a recipient of a lot of these felonious leaks, as is the Washington Post. And so they're going to protect their sources, too, which are felons or would be felons. And to what end? To try and take out a president? There's nothing substantive here. They're trying to invent news with their pseudo events. They're pushing their propaganda. That's not what news organizations are supposed to do. In a little while, I'm going to tell you about a study that was done. You know, a study. No, 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 this is important. In 1942, in the midst of World War II, there was a commission put together, a commission on freedom of the press, not by the government, by a number of news publishers, led by Time and Life magazine publisher Henry Luce. And they were trying to explore whether freedom of the press was in danger and the proper function of the media. And they didn't finish it till 1947. So they started it in 1942, and they finished it in 1947. And I'm going to tell you what they found. Now, I'm going to be right back, and you stick with me. What we're doing tonight, I think, is very serious and very important. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound, to help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community help students form a foundation for the rest of their lives, a truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. I hope you liked my Life, Liberty, and Levin last night. 
with Laura Logan. I thought she was terrific. Very, very important. I'm spending a lot of time on this program, on Levin TV, and on my Fox program, focusing in on the media. Because this is an area people talk about, but they don't really dissect in any effective way. So I was telling you about this commission that was set up, Commission on Freedom of the Press. Set up in 1942, and it put out its report in 1947. You know what it said in part? It said, freedom of the press is in danger for basically three reasons. First, and I'm quoting from the report, it's in my book. The importance of the press to the people has greatly increased with the development of the press as an instrument of mass communication. At the same time, the development of the press as an instrument of mass communication has greatly decreased the proportion of the people who can express their opinions and ideas through the press. Second, and by the way, again, this is one of the few times in modern history, and this is over half a century ago, where the press looked at the press. Second, the few who are able to use the machinery of the press as an instrument of mass communication have not provided a service adequate to the needs of the society. Well, that's true enough today. Third, those who direct the machinery of the press have engaged from time to time in practices which the society condemns and which, if continued, it will inevitably undertake to regulate or control. The commission warned, quote, the modern press itself is a new phenomenon. Its typical unit is the great agency of mass communication. These agencies can facilitate thought and discussion. They can stifle it. They can advance the progress of civilization or they can thwart it. They can debase and vulgarize mankind. They can endanger the peace of the world. They can do so accidentally in a fit of absence of mind. They can play up or down the news and its significance foster and feed emotions, create complacent fictions and blind spots, misuse the great words, and uphold empty slogans. Their scope and power are increasing every day as new instruments become available to them. These instruments can spread lies faster and farther than our forefathers dreamed when they enshrined the freedom of the press and the First Amendment to our Constitution. Unquote. This was in the self-review over half a century ago. Not this New York Times pablum where they pat themselves on the back for their stellar reporting over the last two years. Listen to this. Again, it's in Unfreedom of the Press. The commission cautioned, quote, with the means of self-destruction that are now at their disposal, men must live, if they are to live at all, by self-restraint, moderation and mutual understanding they get their picture of one another through the press the press can be inflammatory sensational and irresponsible if it is it and its freedom will go down in the universal catastrophe on the other hand the press can do its duty by the new world that is struggling to be born it can help create a world community by giving men everywhere knowledge of the world and of one another by promoting comprehension and appreciation of the goals of a free society that shall embrace all men. 1947. They are restating what the original men and women of the press 
in our founding period were saying. You see none of this today, or almost none of it. Is this how the modern media conduct themselves? Self-restrained, measured, and temperate? Are the media providing knowledge and insight useful to the public in a free society, or are they obsessed with their own personal, political, and progressive predilections and peaks? Have the media earned the respect and esteem of their readers, viewers, and listeners as fair and reliable purveyors of information, or are large numbers of the citizenry suspicious and distrustful of their reporting? Are the media on a trajectory of self-destruction? Unofficially identifying with the Democrat Party over the Republican Party? Man, I got facts and information to back all this up. I hope you feel the taste of this. The book is Unfreedom of the Press. I hope you'll pre-order your copy right now at Amazon. He's here. He's here. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Look throughout the culture, look at the intolerance. Look at the demand for uniformity of ideology. These people don't believe in free speech, let alone freedom of the press. They want to put you down. They want to put you down. People promote this guy, Bill Maher. Bill Maher is a slob. He's a left-wing slob. Republicans and conservatives like to go on there because it's Hollywood. And they're very cool about that, you know. I could care less. And this Friday, the vast majority of you weren't watching Bill Maher on HBO. But there was a panelist, you see, from the American Enterprise Institute, Senior Vice President, Danielle Pletka, who tried to make the case that they're trashing Fox on this panel of Bill Maher's with the clapping seal leftists in the audience, balancing marijuana on their foreheads, no doubt. And uh, she tries to make the case, well, if you're going to attack Fox, what about CNN and MSNBC on the liberal side? Just listen to this briefly. Cut three, go. If Fox News would stop becoming state media? As opposed to CNN and MSNBC? Oh, come on. I, oh. You know, now stop, are- now stop, stop. How is Fox News state media? Well, they support Trump. You're going to learn, and I think happily so, when you... Look at the very first chapter of Unfreedom of the Press, that that's a lie. That the Shorenstein Center did a study, and we'll talk about it when the time comes. 52% of Fox's reports with a clear tone were negative towards Trump. 48% were positive. 52% negative, 42% positive. What about the other media outlets? Well, the other six they looked at, CBS, CNN, NBC, New York Slimes, the Wall Street Journal, Washington Compost, all six, I'm quoting from the report, portrayed Trump's first 100 days in highly unfavorable terms. 
CNN and NBC's coverage were the most unrelenting negative stories about Trump outpaced positive ones by 13 to 1 on the two networks. That's over 90%. Trump's coverage on... I'm giving away this information. It's in the book, but I want you to know this. Trump's coverage on CBS also exceeded the 90% negative mark. Trump's coverage exceeded the 80% level at the New York Times. 87% Washington Post. Wall Street Journal, slightly below 70% negative. Largely attributable to their frequent and more favorable economic coverage. Fox, I'm quoting from this report that is in the book. Fox was the only outlet where Trump's overall coverage nearly crept into positive territory. 52% of Fox's reports, with a clear tone, they say, were negative. 48% were positive. Fox's average was 34% points less negative than the average for the other six outlets. Trump's coverage during his first 100 days alone, this is a quote, was not merely negative in overall terms. It was unfavorable on every dimension. This is Harvard. There was not a single major topic where Trump's coverage was more positive than negative. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? You knew it, but you couldn't really put the muscle around the bone, right? Well, here's the study. And so Fox is constantly hit for being in Trump's corner. So 52-48% negative, 52% negative, 48% positive, and that's in Trump's corner. So you really want to be an objective news source, you got to be in the 90% number negative, like CNN and NBC. Now let's start cut three. Go. If Fox News would stop becoming state media? As opposed to CNN and MSNBC? Oh, come on. I, oh, you know, please. you are... Come on. Come on. Come on. The, the, you come on. <laughs> Let's all come on. Yeah. That, that, is, that is a false analogy. It, no, it, it's actually a totally correct analogy. No, false, it's not. Fox News has become Fox, the news of the right, and the others have but become Fox the news But Fox News does left. not report but the bad things. has fact-checkers. Yes. No. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, dude, that's not a thing. I think CNN doesn't have fact-checkers. No, I think that CNN has drifted to become the analog of Fox on the other side. CNN did an enormous amount to elect Trump. They they did. CNN gave Trump the most amazing amount of airtime. And also, I mean... And what do you think their agenda was in so doing? Well, it certainly wasn't left-wing. You can't can't talk about it. It's not about the intentions. It's about what the policies are. If you can say things that aren't true... First of all, stop here. Notice they all gang up on her. They've got this one quasi-conservative, who won't defend Fox, but is attacking the other networks. Against what, four or five? Salman Rushdie being one of them, I believe. What a panel there, Bill. Go ahead. And, and that's one thing. If you can, in other places, you can say things that are not true and you get but, called on it. You know that's, what? That's yeah, the difference. Yes. No, sorry. I'm sorry. You, you're just not watching. Well, there is a level of accountability that CNN and MSNBC have that Fox does not have. No, they don't. Have- no, they don't. No, they don't. And that's provable that they don't. Go ahead. Who is that accountability to? To say, I'm sorry for a false reporting or anytime they make a Actually, they don't say that often, do they? Ladies and gentlemen. Moreover, what's not discussed on this panel so far is how you distinguish between news and opinion. 
And in the case of CNN, even more so than MSNBC, CNN pretends to be a news channel. It's not a news channel. It creates pseudo-events and propaganda, as you'll see. Go ahead. If you think Fox ever says, sorry, we got it wrong? I don't watch any of them, but I've seen Fox and CNN and MSN say they got it wrong. There come the clapping seals. They're not clapping. They're hungry. Go ahead. Guest last week announced that Trump was banning aid to three Mexican countries. Yes, that was stupid. Did, did they apologize for that? They did no, not. He, okay. he said he wanted to. I mean, but that's, that, that's, that's not, not the worst offense. No, what, no, what the, their worst no, no, offense is that they. I don't know. I don't know. Salmon. They is it salmon or salmon? Like you know, on a bagel. I'll call him salmon. Should I call him Nova? Anyway, so uh, salmon. I don't know. Uh, how about that collusion thing? Does that annoy you? Hey, but Fox said three to three. Uh, and actually, okay, got it. How about that a collusion thing day in and day out? Did that bother you? How about that Holocaust-denying stuff, Salmon? May I call you Salmon? Did that bother you? You didn't bring it? You don't even know about it. And this moron Bill Maher doesn't know a damn thing about it. You'll know all about it. Go ahead. Port things. As if they didn't happen. Reporting For, is the thing of the past. You just spent ten minutes talking. Of the past. You just spent ten minutes talking about how the media was doing a bad job. That is exactly the theme that we keep a hearing. A bad job is different and, than not reporting at all. When, when Trump. What do you said, mean not reporting at all? Are you that much of a moron? Yes, he is actually. You think the whole world is the Playboy Mansion, dummy? No, it's not. The facts are the facts. They've been looked at. Fox is 52% negative on Trump, 48% positive. I mean, that's about as balanced as you can get. And that's not me. That's the Harvard Shorenstein Center. As you, Again, you'll see all the details when the time comes. And yet, the other six that they looked at in the first 100 days were way over the top negative, way over. You can't call that reporting news. And, of course, this is why I start out the book by saying, well, what is news? And who decides? And what is journalism? And what are the standards for being a journalist? The answer is there aren't any. There aren't any. Even listen to this idiotic debate. What are they debating exactly? They're debating their images and their impressions. They're not debating any substance. They say, yes, CNN is more responsible for news. Well, what kind of news does CNN report exactly? And who are the news people versus the opinion people on CNN? They don't have the foggiest idea. None. Oh, Julian Castro was there. Chelsea Handler. Salman Rushdie. Danielle Pletka, you heard her. And Gideon Rose. Wow. Go ahead. We have defeated ISIS. The next day, there was an ISIS attack, and it killed Americans. Fox did not report it. That's different. That does not happen on the other What do you mean Fox didn't report it? I'm sure I saw it on Fox. If not within 24 hours, within 48 hours. Well, go ahead. But he's not done. Look at the mix of... That's Bill Maher... And then listen to Bernie Sanders. You're going to see the uniformity between the entertainment culture 
the Democrat Party, and the media. The uniformity. It's incredible. And it's there. You just heard Bill Maher. Now I want you to listen to Bernie Sanders with the Huffington Post on Saturday. With the Huffington Post on Saturday, which is a left-wing site. Cut four, go. Do you think at this point Fox News is a propaganda arm for now the see? company? Propaganda. Yes, I do. Yes, absolutely. Um, so now we have Bernie Sanders with a setup question. He, they threw a grapefruit over the uh, plate to the batter, the batter being Bernie Sanders. Okay? Keep in mind what you just heard on the Bill Maher show. Now the Huffington Post news program. Bernie Sanders answers. Go ahead. Do you think at this point Fox News is a propaganda arm for the Trump administration? In most respects, I think it is. Uh, you know, you have some people on there who I think are serious. I, I did in 2016, I think it was, uh, a town hall with uh, Br- uh, Brit Baer. We were very nervous about it. We went over the ground rules. He kept his word, and it was a fair town hall. So I think they have some people who you can describe as, you know, as real journalists. Uh, but obviously, most of that thing is, most of the station is uh, right-wing propaganda. Yes, yes, yes. Most of it is uh, right-wing propaganda. What is right-wing propaganda? What does that mean? So if you're conservative, when you defend your principles, you know, like individualism and liberty and the Constitution and declaration, you know, national sovereignty, securing the border, capitalism, uh, I think that's uh, right-wing propaganda. And we know who he's talking about other than Brett Baer, in the newsroom, people they like, who are much like people on CNN or MSNBC. And uh, so it is, you see. How much time do I have, Rich? One more. You heard Hollywood. You heard Sanders, politics. Now back to the New York Times. Now you're going to hear David McGraw of the New York Times. Cut five, go. I was fortunate that when I was growing up, when I was going to college, it was a time when there were these successes by the press. So the coverage of the civil rights movement, the coverage of Vietnam, the coverage of Watergate, all of that made you as an American happy, proud. Did that make you happy and proud, particularly the way the media covered Vietnam? The riots in the streets? Did that make you happy seeing the boat people? Did that make you happy, ladies and gentlemen? Go ahead. That you had a free press. Right. And I remember as, as a high school kid going, sneaking into the University of Illinois Journalism School to hear Peter Arnett speak, the great AP war correspondent. He wasn't a great APA, AP war correspondent at all. At all. But you get the drift. It's all left. Bill Maher and his, his uh, gaggle... Uh, Bernie Sanders, the right-wingers over there who dare to disagree with him. Of course, he's a left-wing Muscovite. He, he, he is absolutely crazed. And now we have David McGraw at the New York Times. Were they reporting news then? No. And I hate to tell you this, the New York Times didn't drive the civil rights movement. And look how how obnoxious and self-righteous they are. The New York Times didn't drive the civil rights movement, ladies and gentlemen. It was the black churches in the South that drove the civil rights movement.
it was African-Americans who were deeply faithful Christians in small churches speckled all over the South. It was them, not the New York Times. And I'm telling you why now we're going to be duking it out with the New York Times as well as the rest of the press, CNN and NBC and CBS, come May 1st, excuse me, May 21st. Because the things I discuss about the Times and the rest of the media will never be discussed at these self-serving, self-righteous, self-aggrandizing sessions that they hold. They try to televise them. They get videos of them. They push them out onto the Internet where they praise themselves. They have nothing to praise themselves for. They're dragging this country into a dark hole. They're not defending freedom of the press. They're defending progressivism. They're defending the Democrat Party. I'll be right back. Who commits most of the world's extremist violence? White supremacists? Last week, the New York Times, this is from City Journal, Seth Barron, featured an illustrated timeline of white extremist killings over the last nine years with lines demonstrating citation and affiliation among the killers. According to the Times, the record shows an informal global network of white extremists whose violent acts are occurring with greater frequency in the West. Now, this is the City Journal. The idea that white supremacist violence is a growing global threat has gained more currency recently, notably in the wake of the ghastly Christchurch Mosque Massacre, when an avowed white nationalist murdered 50 Muslims. New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, for instance, asserted that white supremacists committed the largest number of extremist killings in 2017. No one will deny that racial hatred is an evil ideology, and that people who kill in the name of white supremacy commit evil. But are the New York Times and Ocasio-Cortez correct that white extremists are increasingly sowing worldwide mayhem? The evidence suggests otherwise. Even a superficial glance at the record indicates that of the nearly 20,000 people killed in thousands of extremist killings in 2017, white supremacists were responsible for very few. The worst terrorist event in 2017, according to the State Department, was the explosion of a truck bomb outside the Safari Hotel in Mogadishu, Somalia, which killed more than 580 people. This violent act is believed to have been the work of al-Shabaab, which was responsible for 97% of the 370 instances of extremist killings in Somalia in 2017, accounting for 1,400 deaths, mostly civilian. The remaining violent acts there were carried out by Jabba East Africa, ISIS Somalia, a dissident al-Shabaab splinter group. Now, I want to go on with this. We make no defense, no defense for racists of any sort. But we want to get to the bottom of these facts. Who is doing the most killings, terrorist killings out there? I'll be right back.
If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. If you turn off your radio and open the window... You can probably hear him straight from the studio. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. So again, the New York Times runs this with charts and timelines featured an illustrated timeline of white extremist killings over the last nine years with lines demonstrating citation and affiliation among the killers. And the Times says that the records show an informal global network of white extremists whose violent acts are occurring with greater frequency in the West. And what this writer for this city journal says is that's actually not correct. Superficial glance at the record shows nearly 20,000 people were killed, thousands of extremist killings in 2017, and white supremacists were responsible for very few. Now, one's too many. But that's not the point of the New York Times piece. I just told you about Somalia. 580 people with one truck bomb. In Egypt, 2017, ISIS-Sinai terrorists converged on a mosque in the Sinai. During Friday prayers, slaughtered 312 people, including 12 children, as they came outside. In Egypt, Palm Sunday, an extremist suicide bomber connected to ISIS-Egypt killed 30 Coptic Christians at a church in Tanta. And those actions were coordinated with another suicide bomber, killed 16 people at a church in Alexandria. The first day of 2017 was marked by an ISIS attack on a nightclub in Istanbul. The Uzbeki perpetrator killed 35 people. I can go on and on and on. And so the City Journal writer says, white nationalists committed none of the above violent acts of extremist killing, and that's nothing remarkable. All over the world's extremist violence is concentrated in a handful of regions where very few white people even live. In areas where whites do live, America, Canada, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, white nationalists do indeed perpetuate a significant portion of the relatively uncommon acts of extremist violence. Again, this is unsurprising because whites make up the overwhelming majority of the population there. But the New York Times not, not timeline of white extremist murders cover nine years and 15 incidents, bookended by the heinous and indisputably racist attacks in Norway in 2011 and Christchurch. Some of the most prominent killings among the remaining 13 incidents, though, resist categorization as acts of white racial terror. Ali Sunbali. The son of Iranian Shiite Muslim immigrants and visibly a racial minority carried out the 2016 Munich mall shooting. The 2016 
Umpqua Community College shooting was carried out by a self-identified mixed-race man. Look, look where we are with this, with the New York Times stuff. As was the 2014 Isla Vista massacre, whose perpetrator believed that being half Chinese made him unattractive to women. The 2018 Toronto van massacre, perpetuated by a white man who declared that he was part of an incel rebellion against the Chads and Stacys of the world. In other words, he was angry that he could not get a girlfriend and was committed to overthrowing the beautiful people. That killer mowed down pedestrians in Toronto's business district at random. The Times' inclusion of these four incidents calls into question the value of its diagnosis of white extremist killers. When Ocasio-Cortez tweeted that white supremacists were responsible for the most extremist killings of 2017, she was obviously wrong by at least two and maybe three orders of magnitude. There were at least 8,500 such incidents worldwide that year, and white supremacists accounted for perhaps 15 or 20 of them, depending how you count. I have to go through this. It's insane. I know this entire area is insane. I have to go through this. This is your media today, particularly the New York Times. Now, she might be relying on an Anti-Defamation League report, Murder and Extremism in the United States in 2017, for her information. According to the ADL, 34 people were killed as a result of extremist violence that year in the United States, eight of them by Safulio Sapov on Halloween in Lower Manhattan. Another victim was Heather Heyer, who was run over by James Fields during the Charlottesville protests. Now, Heyer's killing legitimately is labeled an act of white nationalist violence as Fields was an open admirer of Hitler and the Confederacy. But the other murders that the ADL counts as extremist-related are fuzzy, even by the ADL standards. For instance, Frank Ancana, a Klan member from Missouri, was killed in a domestic dispute by his wife, also a Klan member. And some of the other events, according to the ADL, include killings stemming from factional disputes, murders of suspected informants, as well as murders committed by extremists in the pursuit of traditional criminal motives. The Wall Street Journal, citing the U.S. extremist crime database, reports that the frequency of violent hate crime in the United States has been about the same for a half a century. White supremacy is insane and immoral, and it may be a significant threat, but the New York Times and Ocasio-Cortez are simply wrong that it counts for anywhere near the preponderance of global extremist violence. Now, why am I reading this to you? Why is the New York Times distorting the facts? Whatever the facts are, isn't a newspaper supposed to report the facts? Why is it reporting this narrative instead of the facts? The City Journal has to go back, doesn't have close to the resources. Aspects of the City Journal, I believe, are a nonprofit entity, maybe all of it. And so this is a gentleman, he just looks at the basic statistics and he says they're dead wrong, and they're wrong by a. By, by, my, by miles. Because the New York Times is pushing some kind of an agenda. When people go on cable TV and they call Donald Trump a white supremacist, or his supporters white supremacists, or his supporters, you, neo-Nazis and so forth, they use these so-called New York Times timelines and facts. They're thrown around on CNN. They're thrown around on MSNBC. They're thrown around all over the place. Because the New York Times is their Bible. So when the New York Times does something like this, it is impactful. 
Maybe not to you and me, but to, but, but to other people out there. And they don't want to believe or they just don't believe that the media would lie to them. It's news after all, right? It's news. How could it be wrong? But it is wrong. These standards laid out by this commission for freedom of the press, they are absolutely ignored. They're rejected. Which is why I spent part of the first hour when you look at the overlap. Bill Maher could be a host, an anchorman on CNN. Why not? Why not? And what are the anchorman on CNN? Cuomo, he can go on HBO and be a comic. A bad one, but nonetheless... They're all interchangeable. What are their standards? What are their requirements? What are they certified to do? Nothing. You know what's annoying? The fact that break-ins still happen all the time? And they happen all the time because many of you don't have a security system. And you definitely don't have the best security system on the planet. The FBI says there's over a million of these break-ins every year. Over a million. Now that's ridiculous. In this day and age, people should be able to protect themselves. If you think about it, you can in a big way. It's important to protect your home and family. That's why I always recommend getting a good security system. And the best, my favorite, is Simply Safe Home Security. It's fantastic protection for your home that keeps working if the power goes out, if the Wi Fi goes down, or even if a burglar smashes your keypad. They have some of the fastest response times in the industry, ready to send help in 24-7 if there's an emergency. So maybe it's no big surprise that Simply Safe is the top choice security system for CNET, PCMag, and more than 3 million of you. More than 3 million Americans. Go to simplysafemark.com to learn more about Simply Safe. That's what I That's why we have it. Order today to get free shipping on your system as well as a 60-day money-back guarantee. Order now, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. But you got to put in simplysafemark.com. 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 Objectivity. What does that mean? What's objective reporting? Do you know that in media circles they debate this? Objectivity is what every news or newsroom or news organization says it is, apparently. You've got progressives who've written over a century say, we don't really need people who are objective. We need processes that are objective. So in other words, you can be a left-wing kook, but as long as you apply an objective process to the choosing, digesting, and then reporting of news, that's fine. And a lot of people will agree with that. But I don't agree with that. Nobody is perfectly objective. We know that. We know that. But to suggest that somebody who is hardcore this or hardcore that can be an objective news person, I reject that. Why? Because they're not going to apply an objective process. How do you know? Look around you. Are they applying an objective process over at CNN and MSNBC and NBC and all the rest of them? that the Shorenstein Center at Harvard University said have been 90% negative on Trump? Have they applied an objective system? No. 
Some people say, well, you need more diversity in the newsroom. More, what are you talking about? Well, more conservatives, more moderates than they have with the, with the lip. No. Maybe you need more diversity on the editorial page. But you need more newsmen and newswomen in the newsroom who aren't political partisans. But you don't get that, do you? And I can't explain it all now, but I will explain that at the right time, too. The reasons for all of this, it's not just knee-jerk. It didn't just happen. And we shouldn't just address this in a superficial way. By the way, a footnote here. Is Donald Trump not focused on immigration, Mr. Producer? He's been focused on it every day, hasn't he? Like a laser, day in and day out, day in and day out. Hammering away, hammering away, hammering away. Well, then why are people telling him he needs to focus on immigration? What, to the exclusion of everything else? The exclusion of the courts? The exclusion of the military? The exclusion of what Red China's doing? The exclusion of what Russia's doing in Iran and North Korea? The president can't conduct himself that way. He's the president. He's got to deal with 20 issues at the same time, but even more. He's been focused and prioritized immigration. I don't understand these people on the side. You know what? He really needs to focus on immigration. How much more can he focus on immigration? We've been discussing it like never before. And look what he's been trying to do. I don't get that unless people are trying to position themselves. I told you, you should focus on immigration. He is focused on immigration. Heavily, constantly, repeatedly. The problem is he's not getting the support of the people he needs the support from. That's the focus, in my opinion. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. One of the great organizations in this country, not just conservative organizations, but organizations, period, is the Media Research Center. What the Media Research Center does is crucially important. It's important to me and my work. It's a resource to all of us. It's important to the conservative movement overall, because no matter what your issue is, immigration, abortion, the Second Amendment, fiscal discipline, whatever, you have to fight the media. So the work the MRC does every day to expose the media and their agenda helps every conservative organization and every patriot out there. It's important to our country because we can't have a free country if we have a dishonest media. And that's what we have, folks. I can't say enough about the Media Research Center and what they do for all of us. So I want you to do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. I want you to go to mrcsticker.com. This is a lot of fun, too. MRCsticker.com right now to get a free bumper sticker. Help spread the word about the MRC's efforts to expose media bias. They have some great stickers to choose from, including my favorite, Don't Believe the Liberal Media. Remember when we were promoting that? It's back. And every time I pull up to a stoplight and somebody has that sticker on their car, I know you're one of us. I give them a a thumbs up. Go to MRCsticker.com. And get your free bumper sticker from the MRC today. 
It's a free bumper sticker. Slap it right on your car. That's mrcsticker.com, mrcsticker.com. All right. Let's go to Joe Clifton Park, New York, the great WGDJ. Go. Oh, hi, Mark. Um, I've never really seen anything like it. I'm 60 years old, and they just lambast the poor man on a daily basis. Um, I'm old enough to remember Watergate, and I think it kind of started there. But they were never really that bad, even on Ronald Reagan. But it really started to get bad with Bush. Not Bush 41, but GW. And now it's just totally out of control. Well, I don't think you remember the Reagan years. They were horrific. Yeah, with the nuclear blast they were going on and that he was crazy and the finger on the button and he should have taken this deal and that deal and they would go into homeless shelters which apparently never existed under uh, Obama and food kitchens and food lines and uh, they would mock his budgets as cutting ketchup for on, on the food stamp program it, w- it was pretty damn bad but nothing is as bad as what we're witnessing today nothing no, this is no, but I, we used to get the New York Times when I was a kid, and I looked up to them. I thought they were objective. I, I took them as gospel. But by the late 80s when I was in grad school, I noticed they had a liberal bias, a slight one, though. Nowadays, it's, um, it's just ridiculous. And by the way, I really loved the um, interview with Laura Logan last night. That was great. Good. Thank job. you. Well, I just asked the question. She's great. I'll tell you what. Don't hang up, Joe, because when uh, my book comes out, Unfreedom of the Press, I want to send you a signed copy. So don't hang up. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't send everybody a signed copy. So I hope you'll go on to Amazon.com and take advantage of their 40% off. Mr. Producer keeps an eye on that Amazon list and keeps telling me where we are, which uh, I don't need to know all the time. But one of the things we're watching is that discount. It's 40% off. I don't believe it gets any bigger than that. Maybe it does. But me, when I buy books, and I buy a lot of books... I read a lot of books, and I don't mean contemporary books. I read a lot of historical books and so forth. If it's 40% off, I act. I act. So you ought to check it out. Uh, Let us go to Victor. I don't know. You're in California, Bolero, California, the great KSFO. Sorry, go right ahead. Great one. It is truly an honor. Thank you. I tell everyone, you are my professor. I've learned more with you than I learned in my four years in college in liberal arts. Well, thank you. You're very kind. Thank you, sir, for what you do for our country. And by the way, I've learned more from me researching and studying than I ever learned in college, too. And that's one of the things I tell people. It's not just the fact that you're a constitutionalist, but you've taught us how to do research, how to get to the bottom of things, how to, you know, again, we don't learn this in, in college. And so, uh, again, I'm just, I'm just thankful you are a crown jewel to our nation. Wow, you're very kind. Thank you. Well, my, my, can I take to the point, because I know I have a lot of time. My, my question is, with the liberal judges that are all going with, uh, you know, uh, for anything they'll issue an injunction against the president, the most recent one being that they got to let now these guys in Mexico waiting to come into the country, they have to let them in, is why can't we find a Trump-friendly judge to issue an opposite ruling at the same time? Well, let, me, let me tell you how it works. They are the plaintiffs challenging government policy. So they form shop in a particular judicial district. Now, the administration will appeal. Problem is, it's in the Ninth Circuit. But there is a little bit of good news I want you to know. Because of this president, and frankly because the Republicans of the Senate have finally awakened, 
the Ninth Circuit is beginning to turn from radical left to more centrist. We'll see how that plays out, but I share your frustration, brother. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, that's BrickhouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, BrickhouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, conga line of leftists and kooks, like Joe Scarborough, on the morning schmo with Mrs. Schmo on MSLSD. There's a big election taking place in Israel. Matter of fact, uh, the voting will start very, very soon as they're seven hours ahead. Now, the vast majority of you are not in Israel and have not been to Israel. Maybe not in the last 18 months. Donald Trump is wildly popular in Israel. Now, why is Donald Trump wildly popular in Israel? Because unlike Jewish people in America, and I can speak as a Jew, Jewish people in Israel are surrounded by countries that threaten to wipe them out. That has a way of focusing your thinking. We have Jewish groups in this country that are quite left-wing. Some are not, but we have some that are. That like Israel in theory, they like the idea of Israel, you know, they, but when Israel seeks to defend itself or it's a strong country that needs to protect its own borders and sovereignty and it can't agree to peace deals that break it into pieces then all of a sudden they react differently in this country than they do in Israel now Donald Trump has done more for the Israelis the Jews in Israel than any president ever since the state of Israel was founded ever 
And so when Joe Scarborough painted him today as an anti-Semite and a bigot, I thought, now how the hell are you going to pull that off? See, Donald Trump has done more to create jobs for African Americans than Barack Obama ever did. And yet the media have turned him into a racist, which he is not. But how are they going to turn him into an anti-Semite with his daughter converting to Judaism? She's a Orthodox Jew. His grandchildren, his son-in-law, I mean, they, they operate right outside his office, his, his kids. So how is this going to work? He just recognized Israel's right of sovereignty over the Golan Heights. He killed the Iran deal, which, by the way, protects us too. Today, they've indicated that they are or have labeled the Republican Guard, I guess they call it, over there at Iran, which is a terrorist group, effectively, it's their army, as a terrorist organization, which requires then, not just us, but pressuring all these other countries to cut off resources and finances to them. President of the United States obviously has recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. No president did that in modern times. He moved our embassy. Presidents or president wannabes had promised he did it. How can you in any way suggest that this man is anti-Semitic? So here's Trump at the Republican-Jewish coalition, which all over media today has been called right-wing. It's not right-wing, it's Republican. This is Saturday, I should say. Cut eight, go. And a special thanks to Representative Omar of Minnesota. Oh. Oh. Oh, I forgot. She doesn't like Israel, I forgot. I'm so sorry. Oh. No, she doesn't like Israel, does she? Oh. Please, I apologize. He is, this is actually a brilliant way of making the point. And it's way over the head of every single person that populates MSNBC and CNN. Then Trump said this, which is what they have seized on on the left and in the media which, of course, are one and the same. Cut nine, go. But I stood with your prime minister at the White House to recognize Israeli sovereignty over the Golan Heights. The Golan Heights is uh, something I've been hearing about for a long time. You hear the cheers and applause? And it went on for a while. We just cut it off. I stood by your prime minister at the White House. Now, these are Americans who are Jewish. And so they're saying, oh, dual loyalties. Now, I've been accused of this by the left and the Klan and neo-Nazis. Oh, dual loyalties. Trump is putting out that trope, they call it. That stereotype. Because he's a bigot and he's an anti-Semite, you see. No, he's not. No, he's not. Everybody knew what he meant. He didn't mean, and the people in that room didn't take it, as an issue of dual loyalty, 
they took it as an issue of American Jews, particularly Republican and conservative American Jews, supporting the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, as opposed to one of the Yahoos who seeks to be Prime Minister, Gantz. That's all. That's all there is to it, the whole thing. But the media in this country are not interested. Are not interested in news. They're not interested in being a, an honest press, a professional organization. The things that Obama said about Israel, the things that Obama said about Netanyahu, the things that Obama did to Israel and the UN and otherwise, the things that Obama tried to do to Netanyahu include interfere with his election, but apparently that's fine. Compared to what Trump said is just outrageous. The media is just outrageous, just like trying to turn Charlottesville into him saying they're good Nazis and bad uh, Nazis, the good Klansmen and bad Klan. He didn't say that. I read the entire transcript to you several weeks ago. He never said that. Nor did he do or say anything that indicates that he's an anti-Semite or bigot. Remember what I read to you earlier from my book on freedom of the press. The warning from this commission on freedom of the press. The warning about how the media can be so destructive and dishonest and will destroy itself. That's exactly what's going on. When you hire charlatans like Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski and a whole list of them, they're not just the face of the media, they're the voice of the media. You are destroying yourselves. And the problem is, for a country to remain free... We need a free press, a real press. Here's my point. This is going to anger you. Here's Scarborough on the morning Joe today. Cut 10, go. When he says your... Sorry, I didn't hear that. Can we start over and raise it up? Go ahead. When he says your prime minister, he is, he, it, he's being bigoted. It, he's, it, that is... Uh, again, the president who actually reveals himself to believe that Jews in America have dual loyalty. And if you are a Jew in the United States of America, that your prime minister must be Benjamin Netanyahu. That is wildly offensive. This, again, this, go ahead. Let him finish. I'm sorry. The same sort of anti-Semitic trope that many Republicans were attacking Congresswoman Elmo. This Elmo. is a this. He is a diabolical human being. I don't know of any other way to say it. He has nothing in common with Omar, who's an anti-Semite and a bigot. And for Joe Scarborough to do this, he's got no shame. I'd see shame on you, but he has no shame. You really have to play it this way, Scarborough? Well, then you're as loathsome as they get. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Shelby Steele for a very, very long time. I've read his books. I've read his columns. Um, never met him until he came on my program on Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox. Before the show, during the show, after the What a wonderful gentleman. 
what a truly thoughtful human being. And he is a scholar and author. He's at the Hoover Institution, among other things. Mr. Steele, how are you, my friend? I'm doing very, very well. So, well, happy well, to be here. I appreciate that. All of a sudden, reparations are back. I mean, maybe they never went away, but they're back in a big way. Democrats outbidding Democrats. Why don't you tell the audience what you think about this? Well, you know, I think that the Democratic Party is looking for votes uh, in the minority community, and that's, you know, as you say, the issue of reparations is always there, but uh, at the moment we're, we're beginning a, a long campaign season, and so people are placing themselves on the far left, and reparations is one of those sort of litmus tests for, uh, for the minority vote. And How would this even work? I don't even know how this would work. How would it work? I think it is the whole discussion of reparations is symptomatic of the fact that, Blen, I'm, I speak as a black American, um, we come from a people who for four centuries had no freedom. We now all of a sudden in the 60s began to really get the real thing, real freedom. But we have no cultural history for dealing with it. Uh, it is, and it is challenging, and it is frightening, and we, are, we get confused signals from the society around us, and we don't know, we, well, okay, maybe reparations will do it. We'll close that inequality gap. Um, and so it's a symptom of where we're at historically, uh, that we look... And, of course, the ironies of reparations are, are, are prolific. Uh, you're, you're basically arguing to sustain a, a white supremacy and black dependency. We can't make it unless, unless America gives us uh, some sort of reparation for what it did in the past. Uh, so once again, we're in that position of, of the dependence, uh, while white America is in the position of being superior. Uh, so it's a continuation of the past rather than a breaking away from it. Uh, my own personal feeling is, don't even try to give me reparations. My grandfather, a gentleman named Nelson Steele, was actually born in slavery. Uh, my father was, was born in the 19th century. Um, and he, I was obviously a late, a late child. Uh, but I have a direct connection. What are you going to do? Give me $20,000? Maybe you'll give me $100,000. Is that going to pay off what Nelson Steele had to go through? Is that, going to, is that going to take black people at this point and just send us zooming up into equality? It won't do a damn thing. It won't do any of those things, except humiliate and demean us. What happened to us happened to us. We need to take it and make, make ourselves stronger, more independent, uh, more self-reliant. You know, we, we should re we sh what I want to see is a movement that rejects reparations in the name of dignity. That's how you get ahead. You, you, you respect yourself. If you want other people to respect you, respect yourself first. Uh, reparations is obviously a corruption of all that. And yet, um, emotionally, 
even for some liberal white people, emotionally, it sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds like um, it's looking at the world through the idea of justice. That, oh my goodness, these people really did, in fact, suffer. And the truth, of course, is that they did. Uh, and so, well, it just, just seems to be the simplest sort of logic to then say, well, we, we, we should make that good. Mm-hmm. Here's a real cold news flash. You can never make it good. It happened. You can do whatever you want to do. Uh, justice is impossible. It's not a possibility. Um, it would be nice if it was. Uh, we'd all, we, we could easily then solve the problem. But we get, you could look at the last 60 years of government social programs that were directed toward the black community as reparations. What did they do? Made us weaker, more dependent, we're farther behind whites today than, than we were before. We have to break the psychological dependence, the idea that that freedom is, is somebody else lifting us up. Won't work that way. It's guaranteed it won't work that way. Um, so it's, it's, it's understandable. It's absolutely understandable. Uh, but it's also impossible. Mm-hmm. Do you think we're going to be able to have a rational discussion about this, or are we just going to get into a bidding war now? I don't think we, we we haven't had many rational discussions mm-hmm. uh, uh, recently on on many subjects. I, I to, and I, I'm sure we probably won't have a very productive one on on reparations. Uh, um, it saddens me to see so many young uh, uh, blacks and college age and thereabouts, Black Lives Matter, that that <clears throat> that sort of age group. It saddens me to see them looking in this way because it means they're looking backward. They're, they're still in the grip of, of, an old, of the old grudge. They're still controlled by old resentments that cut them off from their own talent, their own energies, uh, their own sense of hopefulness. Um, and, you know, they, that's, that's what then, of course, Redounds to to a negative impact, a negative impact on Black Americans. Uh, we we can't access. We're so we're so upset about history. We can't access what we can do now. Now is 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 the whole thing, the whole game. What you are free now. We are absolutely free, and we were also absolutely oppressed. That's a that's a a strange existential fate. But it's our fate. There isn't anything we can do about it or anything anybody else can do about it. Leave it alone. Move on. And yet, in our colleges and universities, these Make tenured... money on it. Make, yeah. make hay out of it. Uh, make careers out of it. Everybody, everybody makes money, on, uh, uh, certainly on the left, um, uh, out of... Uh, the color black associated with the word victimization. And if you're running that, then you're, then there is this sort of, um, this kind of theme that, um, that victimization again, it has to be paid off. Has to, we have to have justice. We have, and, and it's a kind of vicious cycle keeps blacks dependent, um, makes whites feel guilty all the time. 
um, and it deeply, deeply divides us as a people. Shelby Steele, I have to go. I can't thank you enough. We really, really appreciate it. And he wrote his last great book is called Shame, and we will link to it. God bless you, sir. Unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. Have you ever wished you knew more about how politics and our constitution work? Can you explain the differences between capitalism and socialism easily? Wish you knew more about American history? I have some good news for you. It's not too late to learn. No matter how busy you are, how long it's been since you've gone to high school or college, Matter of fact, most high schools and colleges, you probably would have lost what you'd already known. But you can do this for free. Hillsdale College is a service to our country. has free online courses that provide a taste of the core curriculum that every Hillsdale College student takes. The core that teaches how to think critically and act virtuously. And it can help you, too. Getting started is very, very simple. Just sign up for one or more of Hillsdale's most popular online courses for free, and you can start learning whenever you like. Visit levinforhillsdale.com right now. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale, and you'll be on your way to a rich, meaningful education. Now, you never know when this registration page is going to be yanked for something else, so I want to strongly encourage you to sign up immediately and start learning, all of us, together. Start today for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. All right. The big election in Israel will be starting really quite soon. And Beto O'Rourke threw in yesterday with his opinion. I want you to hear this, America. And if any Israelis are listening, I want you to hear this, too. This guy has one of the worst records, not only as it applies to the United States, lousy record in the House of Representatives, But as it applies to Israel, I think he's only about one of a half a dozen or eight who voted against giving support for Israel's Iron Dome. Beto O'Rourke, a.k.a. Beto O'Dork. Cut seven, go. The U.S.-Israel relationship is one of the most important relationships that we have on the planet. Now, why is that? Why is it? Why doesn't anyone ask him to explain it? Why is it one of the most important relationships we have? Because Israel is a free country? Because Israel shares our values, Judeo-Christian values? Because Israel is an ardent ally in a part of the world where we need an ardent ally? Why is that, Beto O'Rourke? But then he goes on. Go ahead. And that relationship, if it is to be successful, must transcend partisanship in the United States. Now, now, how can that be, really, when you have a Democrat party that is increasingly anti-Israel, and I might add, anti-Jewish? How is that possible? And how come the Palestinians are never talked to this way by people like Beto O'Dork or Kamala Harris? Or Bernie Sanders? How come they don't lecture the Palestinian leadership, which is leadership at the point of a gun? Never. Is there an Arab country they talk to like this? 
Do they talk to Egypt like this? No way. Go ahead. Send a prime minister who is uh, racist uh, as he warns about Arabs coming to the polls. So now Netanyahu is racist. Racist. See, for Beto O'Dork, everybody's racist but him. So now Netanyahu's racist. Trump is racist. All of you are racists. This guy's putrid. He's a punk. He's a punk. He's a stupid guy. He was born with a platinum spoon in his mouth, and he can't keep his mouth shut. He's a nobody. They tried to turn him into a Kennedy, and they did, like Ted Kennedy. Both of them have something in common. You know what it is, Mr. Producer? A DUI, leaving the scene of an accident. Go ahead. To defy any prospect for peace as he threatens to annex the West Bank. He does. Uh, it's not a mat. This is amazing to me. Annex the West Bank. Has anybody noticed that the so-called West Bank is on the East Bank of Israel? So why is it called the West Bank? Do you know why it's called the West Bank? Because the Jordanians conquered the territory and seized it and held it for 19 years. And so now we call it the West Bank, like history began in 1949. History didn't begin in 1949. In that particular area of the war world, it's thousands and thousands of years ago. Now, thousands and thousands of years ago, what was that area called? And what is it actually called today? Judea and Samaria. Not Palestinia and Hamasia. It's Judea and Samaria. It's not a West Bank. They're not annexing it. They're going to have sovereign security control over it. It belongs to them. It belongs to them. May I say it? Samaria and Judea belong to the Jews who were there thousands of years ago. You can check your Bible, and I'll tell you one thing you won't find in your Bible. Palestinians. That's a name that was made up. It's a name that was made up. Now, Beto O'Dork, apart from being a mental munchkin, and apart from having a negative IQ like so many do on the left, he's pandering, pandering, which is what the left does now, the hard left. You've got this BDS movement. You've got, as a result of immigration and student visas, our colleges and universities, where not only conservatives don't feel safe, but Jews in many places don't feel safe. Maybe Mr. Scarborough and Ms. Brzezinski will do a three or four minute tap dance on that one. I doubt it. Maybe over there at CNN and MSNBC. No, no, no. Don't, don't count on that. But here's Beto O'Dork. Now keep something in, fa- in, in mind. He's loved by Hollywood. Loved. But it's not a criticism of Israel. No, no, it's a criticism of Benjamin Netanyahu. Well, what's Benjamin Netanyahu stand for? A strong Israel that can defend itself and secure borders. Oh, and he happens to be for free markets. No, you can't have that. 
So just as they trash America, just as they call our president a racist and an anti-Semite, they can't really call Netanyahu an anti-Semite, so this guy calls him a racist. Will he call? I have a question. The irony of this is, the other day, where was he standing, Mr. Producer? At the National Action Network? With whom? Sharpton. Did he call Sharpton a racist? No. Did he call Sharpton an anti-Semite? No. Why? Because he's a coward and a fool. Do any of them call Farrakhan a racist? No way. Do any of them call him an anti-Semite? No way. But you can call Netanyahu. that, And you know who I blame for this? Obama. Obama started this. Obama made it easy to be anti-Israel, as well as anti-American, by the way. Obama made it easy to trash Netanyahu, who wants to protect his country. Go ahead. Sided with a far-right racist party in order to maintain... It's not a far-right racist party. There's 7 million Jews in Israel. It's a simple problem of mathematics. If they do what we're doing now, have open borders, and people are pouring into their country, they cease to exist. They call themselves a Jewish state for a reason. Because they had to create one right there where the Jews were first. Why? Because when they didn't have a Jewish state, Mr. O'Rourke, they were slaughtered. It bothers you that they can defend themselves doesn't it, Mr. O'Rourke? It bothers you that they're not victims now, Mr. O'Rourke. Go ahead. Now, I don't think that Benjamin Netanyahu represents the true will of the Israeli people. He doesn't or... represent the will of the Israeli people. He's been elected prime minister four times. You've been elected to the House, and you were defeated for the Senate, and you'll never be president. Mark my words. So he doesn't represent the true will of the Israeli people. You know who does? Beto O'Dork. He represents the true will of the Israeli people. Bernie Sanders. Incredible what these people get away with. Absolutely incredible. Now before we run out of time, let us go to uh, Bernie Sanders, back to him. There are so many crackpot ideas floating around on the left, as well as as crackpots. It's hard to keep track of them all. Here's the latest from Bernie the Red. Cut 12, go. We got 2 million people in jail in this country, and a number of them are in jail for felonies. Uh, Many states say, okay, we're putting you away for a long period of time. You're going to pay a heavy price for that. But we're also taking away your right to participate in a democratic society. Oh, okay, so you murdered somebody, you raped somebody, you robbed somebody, <clears throat> you brutalized somebody. How in the world could we take your vote away? That's just not fair, ladies and gentlemen. Now, this is insanity. Go ahead. As you may know, in Florida, they just had a very important referendum where 65% of the people of Florida said that that is wrong, that people who have felonies should be able to vote. And I strongly supported that. Not me. Very stupid idea. But what do I know? Go ahead. 
What we do is separate. You're paying a price. You committed a crime, you're in jail. That's bad. But you're still living in American society and you have a right to vote. I believe in that. Yes, I do. He believes two million people in prison should be able to vote. But what do you expect with the open borders crowd? But they should be able to vote because they're still part of society. No, they're not part of society. They're in what we call a prison. And some of them are there for a very, very long time. They voted themselves out of society. Where the phrase is civil society. And when you have enemies of the civil society, they have to be addressed. I don't mean people who disagree with each other, who debate with each other, political. I'm talking about criminals. Criminals. Look how they bend over backwards for convicted felons. He doesn't even know what kind. It doesn't matter if they're murderers, rape. It doesn't matter. They're felons. He thinks they should be able to vote. The Democrat Party will not do anything to secure the border. That's why it's open right now. President's ready to act. Senate's ready to act. But the House won't act. So people who've never stepped foot in this country are more noble than the American citizen. But look how they talk about illegal aliens and their children. Look how they talk about felons. And then you mention the president. All of a sudden, Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, white supremacy, and they go on and on and on. MS-13, okay. Drug smugglers, okay. Kidnappers, okay. Why do I say okay? Because if you don't secure the border, you're getting some percentage of that. What do you think? Only rocket scientists come across the border? Of course not. Quite the contrary. So felons in prison should be able to vote. That's Bernie Sanders' view. So I think what we should do then, is, as I've told you, I had my Levin proposal, rather than waiting for people to come here illegally and vote, just send absentee ballots to 7 billion people all over the world. Just vote. Seven bill, just, just vote. Well, here's my idea on this. Bernie sparked an idea. You judges out there, when you put that gavel down and you, you read the sentence... Life for murder. Multiple rapists. 30 years. Oh, and by the way, here's your registration form if you want to vote. The left is going to destroy every aspect of the civil society, every aspect of our culture, every aspect of the Judeo-Christian idea of morality and ethics. Because they reject it all. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, listen to these liberals, it's like a bunch of drunks at a frat house. Isn't it? Yeah, I have an idea. What's that? I think felons should work. Yeah, that's a great idea, Mary. I have another idea. What's that? Open borders. That's a good idea. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the Democrats do not believe we should ever separate children from their parents. Well, how do you know those children belong to those adults? How do you know? 
They don't have any papers. They don't have any identification. And maybe the adults have scared the hell out of those little kids. And they dare not open their mouths and say anything contrary to these adults. So I have a question. When they say, you better not separate parents from their children. How do you know they're their parents? And what if you don't know for sure? Then what do you do? I'm quite serious about this. These people have no solutions whatsoever. Nothing rational. Nothing. You better not separate them and put them in cages. Who's putting them in cages? I think they're confusing Trump with Obama. And I believe these are the same people when it comes to post-abortion babies who believe in infanticide. Look, you better not separate those kids from their parents. Well, what if the kids are unwanted? Well, you know, you consult a doctor. Maybe you resuscitate them, I don't know. You consult a doctor. Oh, okay. Just don't separate them. It's sick. Brickhouse Nutrition. This is a wonderful, wonderful product, my friends. And my friends at Brickhouse Nutrition sent this note from one of my listeners. About a week ago, my son got very sick. He was coughing, runny nose, just miserable. This is true. After a few days of quiet, my wife got sick. She still is. And now my daughter is as well. Everyone around me is hacking and sneezing, and I am just waiting for my turn. But for some reason, it isn't happening. I think I know why. I'm the only one in my house taking Field of Greens every single morning religiously. Hopefully I can get my wife on board before the big next bug hits. Thank Mark for telling me about Field of Greens. And folks, I'm telling you too. Field of Greens is made of real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. It's all natural. This is the easiest way to live a healthier life. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. So you have nothing to lose. 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com. That's BrickHouseLevin.com. And use promo code LEVIN. There's a lot of Levins in this. BrickHouseLevin.com. Promo code LEVIN. You'll get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. One more time. Everybody together. BrickHouseLevin, L-E-V-I-N dot com, promo code LEVIN. All right, folks. About to leave the air. We have a wonderful LEVIN TV. I hope you'll check it out. But when I go off the air, here's what I'd like you to do in a LEVIN search. I'd like you to go to Amazon.com. Put in my name. Put on Unfreedom of the Press. It's 40% off. I don't know how much longer it's going to be. Pre-order your copy. And we're going to have a very, very important discussion when this book comes out. And I will be all over television. I will be engaging the, uh, the left. So check it out. And I'll see you tomorrow. God bless. God bless.